Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Bantering the Blue Shirts, flagship edition. This is a uh, a weekly show. There's another one after this, but it's not the flagship. So the flagship is one week, um, or one a week, I should say, where I, Joe Fortunato, am joined, as always, by my co-host, Merkel, the Michael Merkel. Mitch Marner. Mitch Marner, who is currently in the midst of doing a lot of... Uh, Contract negotiations, I guess. That's fun. I still think we should offer sheet him. I mean, uh, what does we it can't cost anymore? I know, but wait, yeah, yeah, we can't do it anymore. But no, we either. don't. We don't have that. We don't have that pick uh, anymore. Carolina just ruined everything for me. Carolina I mean, it would have cost us what, like four firsts and a second, but oh well. It would have cost four firsts. Who needs them, then... right? I mean, we're picking up first, like they're. It actually kind of protects the Rangers from themselves because of the compensation. It's almost impossible to get somebody you want for less than a first-round pick and, you know, the one, two, three, I believe it is. Yeah. So there's, you know what, the Rangers don't need that right now. They can still and we've, go after a guy. I forget, what, what's the threshold, Joe? Like, so long as you pay less than, like, two or three million, it'll only cost you a third-round pick or something, I forget. Yeah, but the Rangers can't even do that, sadly. Oh, did they... they... Themselves... Oh, that's right. The... Yeah, they've, they've put themselves in a... Oh, no, wait a minute. You're... Yeah, yeah, because it's 2020 picks, so yes, they can't yeah, even... It... They're, they're four first-round picks only. That's their option. Yeah. I don't know if you guys will be able to hear Kaylin screaming in the background, but you may be able to. Uh, before the show starts, I just wanted to say... Uh, I don't know if you guys know who he is, but Stephen uh, Curatolo, I believe that's how you say his last name. It's terrible that I don't know that. Um, lost his battle to cancer this past week. Um, he was a uh, really big Rangers fan. He was very popular. How could he not be on social media? Uh, one of the few things that seemed to unite everyone. He was a two-time cancer survivor. Um, I actually did not even know he was sick the third time because he probably was the most positive person I have ever met in the face of something that no one should go through once, let alone twice, let alone twice before they're 30 years old. So he passed away. The New York Rangers family is obviously mourning. Um, I tweeted out there is a, a leukemia donation that their leukemia fund that, that the family is asking people to donate to in the event that they wanted to. So that is uh, on my Twitter feed. And just somebody who legitimately was a very, very positive person when they had every right not to be. And people are sharing a lot of stories. And uh, I certainly have some of my own of just interactions with him that are genuinely good, like some of the few things that you want to remember about our experiences on social media these days. So uh, our deepest condolences to the uh, to the family, our you know, deepest condolences to the Rangers family as well. And if you guys have a few moments to run through my uh, Twitter feed and you want to make donations, the information is there. So just a few words, Mike, I don't know if you know him at all. Yeah, I don't need to put a, you on the spot. But. A tremendous loss. And once again, I've said it way too many times in my life, Joe, but just fuck cancer. Um, fuck cancer just indeed. very recently lost my grandmother to cancer. Uh, just had her uh, memorial service uh, this past weekend. And uh, yeah, a little fed up with cancer lately. And it touches so many of our lives. You know, it touches, you know, if, if you know someone, 
there's a very good chance it's it's played a role in their family and unfortunately it's likely taken someone they love away from them too soon so um, definitely a big hole in the heart of uh, the rangers fandom and the garden faithful so be kind to one another because there's no reason not to be in general but uh think about him if the rangers do something good think about him when they draft kako think about him uh give him a moment of your time at some point um say a prayer if that's your thing or if you run into somebody who knows him share a story or something like that because i'm sure he would love to be um remembered in that way and he certainly deserves it so just a few a few words on him um kind of difficult to transition from that but we will uh mike we really didn't even you want to do the jd stuff well yeah i mean you know columbus has been out Columbus and, uh, is officially out. They were kind yeah. of out when we were recording last week, but they were officially out that night. Yeah. So Columbus is out. J.D. Michael just told me, I was unaware of this, signed a three-year contract extension last season. Yeah. But Larry Brooks believes the contract has an out in the event the Rangers come calling, which it appears that they are. Uh, Mike, sift through this for me. Give, me. give me some thoughts. Give me some words. Well, yeah, um, Aaron Portsline of The Athletic had a piece about, um, you know, talking about what happens with Columbus should J.D. go. And uh, the way he framed it is such that, you know, it's just it's a foregone conclusion, much in the same way that Brooksy was saying it. And much like the way you and I both feel like this is a foregone conclusion, it's just a matter of time that, you know, this is going to come together when it comes together. Um, And the thing that's interesting is, you know, just last year, as you mentioned, JD signed an extension uh, with CBJ for three more years, uh, but as you said, Brooks and others believe that there was always some sort of New York uh, exit clause. Just because of, I mean, if you grew up, you know, as roughly Joe and my age, or a little bit older, a little bit younger, you know who John Davidson is, and and you watch enough broadcasts, I'm sure, to understand that he was a big part of the team when he was a player. And a big part of, you know, the, uh, the alumni group and a big part of, you know, just the culture of the team as the color commentator and a highly, highly respected man uh, throughout the NHL community. You know, he's on the Hockey Hall of Fame selection board, Joe, and, uh, you know, he's been the president in St. Louis and, and now most recently Columbus and has really helped both of those franchises turn around at both the AHL and NHL level. And, uh, you know, he is kind of the only candidate left, and now it's really just a question of when this happens. And before the show started, you and I were talking about what a successful, you know, first few years of JD or whoever it is as president's tenure. But for, for the time being, let's just say it's John Davidson. What a successful first few years of his reign looks like. And in my opinion, it's pretty simple. He serves as this, like a good mediator between Dolan and Gorton, and the other one, which is becoming more and more obvious that it's a pressing need, is he turns around Hartford. Because the other thing is Brooks wrote about was the Rangers are waiting, uh, per Jeff Gorton, to make decisions about what happens with the coaching staff in Hartford until they have their next president. So that is a big decision on the plate of the president when he uh, when he signs. There's a ton of really, I guess, kind of uh, 
before left of budget, as you'd say. And Kaylin made no noise, and then I started speaking, and she started making noise. Uh, kind of the before it happens reviews of what the loss of JD would mean. And again, I want to come back to this point because it, it seems to keep making the rounds. When you discuss the the hiring of JD and the Rangers thinking that he's the only person that's even worth talking to at this point. Um, again, Mike and I have had some criticism of that strategy for the New York Rangers. It's impossible not to have uh, some type of criticism of that ideology that you just know more than everybody else does. But that comes from a place of JD being it's, it's interesting because he is, he could be the right hire. He certainly feels like the right hire. Columbus is already in, semi of a panic because of the fact that he's going to be gone and he kind of revolutionized that organization and they were in a very very interesting place before they hired JD and now they're going to be in a very interesting place when he leaves the Rangers have a ton of issues that they need to figure out they do need to modernize the front office like it or not they need to get into analytics a little bit more they need to get a little bit more of a handle on what the fuck is going on in Hartford and I'm probably downplaying that a lot that is maybe the biggest issue that needs to be fixed right now especially with the Rangers having a plethora of young talent that is going to come through and potentially have to season in Hartford um there I don't know if it's speculation but maybe Martin St. Louis is going to want to come and join the Hartford coaching staff I think a couple of people have kind of taken an educated guess on that I wouldn't say that's a legitimate rumor um but the Rangers they got to do something with Hartford. They need to do some maybe they JD wants to go in and kind of revamp the scouting staff and kind of Gordy Clark and and everything that's going on there. Again, that's speculation on my part, but JD did an out of the box hire when he hired the uh, general manager in Columbus. JD is not afraid. He'll have full reign over the New York Rangers. He's a good hire. He is very likely a great hire. But Again, that comes from a place of we'll talk to people, and the Rangers doesn't appear that they've done that at all. So it's a foregone conclusion at this point that Davidson's coming to the New York Rangers. If there's a clause in his contract that says you can get out for the New York Rangers, then why wouldn't he get out if the New York Rangers came calling? But, Mike, how high on your list is shit that he needs to fix? I'm assuming Hartford is right at the top. To me, Hartford is so essential because the... I mean, you look at what has happened with Toronto um, and the Marlies and Tampa and the Crunch and Syracuse and how they've just had this kind of feeder system that it's it's not it's one thing to develop NHL players out of very good prospects. It's another thing to be a team that finishes towards the top of the standings and then you have, you know, your mid to late round picks, you know, that you work with and then get real NHL players out of those guys. And the Rangers have had not one. They haven't had a lot of opportunity to do it, Joe, because they don't have a lot of draft picks over the past, you know, decade or so. Um, the other thing is when we have seen them find, you know, late gems here and there, you know, like uh, Pavel Buchnevich in the third round. Uh, Duclair was a third round pick like it does happen they do get those guys or they have had some of those guys but there's never been a culture that's developed a positive culture in Hartford really during this window of uh, you know of Lundquist just calling it the Lundquist era for shorthand you know what I mean Um, 
it's been so long since Hartford was a good competitive team and you don't need your AHL team to win the Calder Cup every year, Joe, but you do need it to successfully develop talent and you need it to, you know, translate the systems that are going on at the NHL level to those young players so that when they do make the jump, they're ready, you know, they're acclimated, they have a good idea of what's expected of them. And we haven't seen that type of success in terms of Hartford in a long time. I mean, just all you need to do really is consider who the Wolfpack's top scorers have been like in the past few years. It's Peter Holland and Cole Schneider and, and uh, Vinny Lettieri. Right? It's just not, these are not the sort of guys you want to be able to make an impact. And when, you know, we do get someone like Philip Heedle who just was just tearing up the AHL, he ends up on the NHL club right away, which is a good thing, but there's no depth there. There's no other guys who have kind of found a way to take their game to the next level in Hartford. Like this past season, I think, uh, you know, Stephen Fogarty had a good year, his technically his best year, but he's already like, I think 25, 24, 25 now. So like the the ship has kind of sailed for him becoming more than what he is, which is just an NHL level forward. And the Rangers need to find a way to get a successful system in place if they want to be a team that actually continues off of this rebuild and, and builds something towards a team that is frequently competitive, that's always in the cup hunt, that's getting to the playoffs. You can't just do it by hitting, you know, hitting a home run in the first round of the draft. You need to develop those prospects and build the team from within, and that means a successful farm team. I'd also like to say that it became readily apparent that the New York Rangers were not comfortable with guys like Leah Sanderson and Philip Heedle and, you know, whoever else have you spending an extended amount of time in Hartford because I think they were aware that it wasn't necessarily a breeding ground for success. It was a breeding ground for something, but probably not success. And that's something that is a problem. That can't be the way that you go about your business and your day-to-day. And it's not as big of a deal when it's really only Leah Sanderson. That's kind of, did you raise your hand to talk about this particular thing? Oh, no, I just wanted to mention, I'm surprised we didn't have, I don't really remember what our reaction was. I think everyone was just so relieved when Ken Jernander was let go, but there wasn't a stronger reaction when, because McCambridge was an assistant coach under Jernander. He was an assistant coach um, elsewhere before that. I think it was in Stockton. I forget. Um, but like to have someone who was a part of that that kind of system there that ended up being as bad as it was, like the good thing, as far as we know, for JD or whoever comes next is that both Joe Mormina and McCambridge were let go and slash, you know, not extended. So, um, which was fitting for how much of a disaster Hartford was. It's yeah, it was an appropriate response. It wasn't, you know, uh, McCambridge is a relatively young coach. He's 45. I just checked. It was, uh, he was in Manitoba. He was the Manitoba Moose's head coach, um, before joining the Manitoba Moose. So yeah, like, I, there's a real opportunity here to just get new blood and new ideas. And, you know, think about how often we hear the name Sheldon Keefe because of what he's done with the Marlies. Like the Rangers, you know, they're not going to find a Sheldon Keefe right out of the gate, but they need to find someone who can turn those, you know, young players, those guys who are undrafted college free agents and, you know, for draft picks that don't make the direct jump straight to the NHL, 
that can really cultivate success and turn those guys into NHL players. Because that is how, in the salary cap era, Joe, it's, it's the only way you can really build a team now. It doesn't matter how deep Jim Dolan's pockets are or how fat his checkbook is. He has a salary cap to deal with. He can spend all the money he wants to woo JD over, right? The Rangers will outbid anyone, as Aaron Portsline wrote. But when it comes to putting a system in place, we need to see the Rangers go after those things, invest in sports science, invest in the analytics department, get real about these things, get serious about it. Like, it's time. All these things it's, that they have well past time. They haven't done really at all, and I think it's telling, too, that the New York Rangers two times now, and I get that it was a little bit different when Vigneault was hired, but two times now, there's been absolutely no thought process of, well, this is the coach in the AHL, and he might be somebody that the Rangers are looking at to hire as the head coach. Because if Babcock got fired tomorrow, and he could, I guess, you know, who knows, Sheldon Keefe would certainly be considered. You see a lot of these teams who have AHL coaches who would be considered for NHL coaching jobs, young, bright minds that are kind of bringing in new systems and kind of testing the boundaries of what we know to be what is the old school way in the NHL. And the Rangers have none of that. Yeah. And when you get a guy like Vigneault fired, and you have a hire that you need to make. And listen, this is has nothing to do with David Quinn. I think David Quinn was probably a great hire considering the situation that the Rangers were in. They they needed a developing guy. They needed a guy who was used to this type of, you know, bond with the kids and he seems to have done that. But there's no opportunity for the Rangers to even look and say, "Oh, this is somebody that's been in the organization and we're, you know, let's at least give them a chance and see what they have to say." And that should tell you something, too. When it's completely removed from the back of your mind that the Rangers even have a coaching staff in Hartford, that's not okay. That can't be the way that it goes. I have a question so, for you, actually. Shoot. I'll take so, it. So, you know, I think most people consider Cheka and Dubis as the kind of at the top of the analytical approach as a GM or, you know, those organizations, you know, which is interesting because very different. Um, very different, you know, amount of money to play with, you know, Toronto and Arizona. And then we know generally that Anaheim is just kind of one of the known teams that just doesn't invest in analytics, doesn't look at it too much. I really wonder where the Rangers fall on that scale, you know, between those, you know, those teams really. Like, are they somewhere in the middle? Are they more towards Anaheim? And if it's JD or whoever comes after, I think, you know, the consensus, even from, I would imagine, you know, old school fans is, you know, you might be an old school fan, but you also can't, you, you know, you can't pretend that, you know, analytics is not part of the game and, and it, you need to find a way to get the most out of players because when you overpay for players who can't make an impact, you end up with Milan Lucic, right? Like you get screwed and you just can't afford it. You just, I mean, look at the... You know, Brooks's most recent article, I think, when, you know, talking about who the Rangers might buy out and talking about Shattenkirk and, and Brendan Smith and, you know, not mentioning Mark Stahl, like, there are three actual buyout candidates on this team. That's how important it is to get contracts right. Like, you need to look into these things. You need to look into every resource you have, even if you don't put too much stock in analytics and, you know, shot share data and possession data, like, I'd want to know. I mean, I'd want to know everything. I'd want to talk to, if I was running a team, I'd want to talk to old school guys and new school guys. I'd want every perspective. And if you're the Rangers, you can afford to buy every perspective you need. What was the question in there? 
No, my question is, where do you think the Rangers fall between, like, let's say, let's just say it's Toronto, right? For example, as, as the most, uh, their decisions are driven by analytics the most in the NHL, just for debate. We'll just use them as an example. And Anaheim is generally considered a team that doesn't invest a lot in that, doesn't take that too seriously. Between those two teams, where do you think the Rangers fall? Are they somewhere in the middle? Are they leaning more towards Anaheim or more towards Toronto? Yeah, I think somewhere in the middle probably is fair, to be completely honest, because, look, let's be, if we're going to call a spade a spade, Mm. the New York Rangers are not Toronto. They're not investing in it that way. They're not putting people in a position of power who make it clear that, you know, analytics is really the key part of their job, the same way that Kyle Dubas did with Toronto. That's not something that the Rangers... But my, my contention is, I feel like the Rangers should be graded on a curve because they can spend all the money they want on these departments of you know their hockey operations they can there's no reason for them not to have the most robust analytics team they're the most at the end of the day they're the number one franchise in worth and value like they're the richest franchise toronto is too the rangers can't right, but they would have they can't to afford to be runners up here they would have to then make a decision where, first of all, they would need somebody in power who would want to make that switch, right? And that's one of the reasons why JD is likely not that person that's going to take it to that level. Yeah, I don't he, think he's he not, is either. But I don't think he's somebody who's just going to walk away and say that analytics is nothing either. Yeah, right? I don't an, think he'll be phobic about it. I don't no, think he'll be He even gave an it. answer, yeah. I think, in an interview a couple of weeks ago or maybe a couple of months ago before the playoffs started or something, um, where they asked him about the role of analytics. And he said it was certainly something that Columbus used and it was something that Columbus is you know, keeping an eye on, but it's not the be-all, end-all. It's just a tool that they utilize in their decision-making. And I don't even know if that's what the New York Rangers utilized analytics as under Vigneault. I have no idea where it got under Quinn, but I know for a fact that the sophisticated stats package the sophisticated was stats not package. a sophisticated stats package in the way that you would want it to be. So, you know, David Quinn embraces it. We know he has at Boston University. He had a, a young lady, and I, I wish I knew we were going to talk about this. I would have looked it up, who kind of ran his analytics department. And I wonder why the Rangers didn't hire her. Maybe they will now with JD in charge. I don't know. I can't imagine Glenn Sather was a very big believer in analytics. So JD to Glenn Sather is an enormous upgrade in that regard. It's impossible not to see it that way. Um, JD also, I don't think he's been in a, in a position, and this is more about Columbus than it is with his time at St. Louis, with a team like the Rangers where the support is going to be there regardless right? Like the smart thing for Columbus to do was probably get something for Bob or Panarin. And I'm not saying that that's necessarily the right thing to do. I guess right isn't the right terminology. Maybe the smart thing to do or the safe thing to do. Safe is the way to use it. And he, you know, Columbus felt like if they did that, it would just prove that, oh, fuck, like same fucking Columbus, I think is the quote that was used. And the Rangers are two years into a rebuild and people are, the stadium is still, People are still coming to the games. There's still people out there. There's no, absolutely no fear of any type of monetary punishment for anything with the New York Rangers. You yeah, can do what you have to do. Yeah. They, they haven't and ruined their capital with fans the way that Edmonton JD, has. I don't think he's been in that situation yet as somebody who, and listen, he wants to do right by the organization too, but the freedom of knowing that you can make any decision that you feel you have to make and the fans are still going to be there and there's not going to be any of this backlash from ownership, that has to be something nice. And it's going to be new for him. So 
I don't think we should talk too much about JD because when ultimately he's hired, although we've done probably half the show about him at this point, when he's hired, uh, we'll we'll have to do a show where we'll have to say a few other things. But let's uh, let's transition now, Michael. Sure. Kako. Yeah, Fucking Campo five show. goals in three games. I don't think he had a goal or an assist today against the United States. Um, he had a hat trick in game two, two goals in game one, five goals, two games. Michael, talk about the Kako, the cock and the Kako. Well, I mean, two of them are empty netters, but I really don't care. Don't fucking, don't do this. But I just said I don't care. Um, and that- actually, one of the empty net goals, like, he, he had to absolutely shield the puck. And, you know, obviously, if there was a goalie in the net, it would have been stopped. But I, I said this on Twitter today, and it got actually relatively positive responses. Um, I He protects the puck like Yager. Not saying he's going to be Yager. It's not a talent comparison. Yeah. Just the way that he his size, he's got an enormous lower frame. He uses his hips and his ass to just block out the puck. He can get the puck in the corners. He has a long enough reach that no matter what you do, if he's boxing you out, you're not going to be able to get to the puck. And it's just very Yager-esque. And almost every goal that he's scored in this world championship, all five of them, even the empty net goals, He's needed to shove somebody off the puck or take a hit and continue moving forward uh, outside of the, I think he scored his first goal against um, in game two. He just a, a sick slap shot that he sniped the corner. Outside of that, it's been all contact and all driving to the net, and that's music to my ears. Yeah, he does the sort of things with a puck that I that I like to think I can like try to do when I play like street hockey and deck hockey. The way he uses his frame, it's like... There's an awareness that you know guys like him and Yager have, and again, we're not saying he's Yager. It's just that this sort of skill set, where your back is to, you know, your your chest is facing the boards, and you're just moving around. You're looking for the perimeter, and what I love so much about him is he'll make a big move, but if he if he doesn't feel like he has a great angle, he'll hold on to the puck, Joe. Like he'll circle the net. He does that so much, right? especially in overtime and you know when when it's four on four there's a little bit more open ice he's never rushing shots and yet three games into worlds he has 18 shots in three games to lead all skaters and shooting and the other thing that blows me away i mean i mentioned the two empty net goals right and we know he has five goals none of these goals were on the power play joe he's just getting the job done against a lot of NHL defensemen, by the way, and a lot of pretty damn good NHL defensive forwards. He's putting up these numbers, and you know, sure, he's shooting. I think like twenty-eight percent right now, but uh, he's definitely putting on a show. And I know there's so much hubbub about, you know, feels like the devil's social media, and it feels like there's a bit of a push i think well, they're doing for, them and the rangers are being yeah. very human about this which i don't yeah, think they any are. of us were expecting no i, I like it it's good um, it's i feel and, like there's a bit of a push there and, and i think it's more of a, tr- a real debate maybe more than ever um i think it's only become more of a debate since the lottery results about who is one and who is two because now i feel like it's if it's not you know 50 50 it's 51 49 right it's mm-hmm. It's right there. It's uh, it feels like it's pretty neck and neck. And I mean, looking at what uh, Kako has d- done so far, it's really hard not to get excited. And you know, I, I know a lot of Rangers fans have already kind of you know married themselves to the idea of getting him at two. And you know, so if Hughes ends up there at two, it might be you know bittersweet or a disappointment. But 
Tell you what, there's no bad option here, Joe. <laughs> it's just no, and that's be, and that's the point that I kind of okay kinda, either way. That's the point that I kind of make want to make. It's it's that Jack Hughes came into this season, and really he has been the number one pick for the past three years. Everybody knew he was going to be. There was no question. Yeah, he was the number one in the midterms. He was the number one in the preliminary. He's the number one in the final. Okay, across the board, you cannot find a single reputable drafting service that does not have. Jack Hughes at number one and Kako at number two. Period. End of story. What happens is when you get to the Worlds, and we kind of talked about this with Adam a few weeks ago on the show, there is going to be recency bias over Kako playing in the Worlds because it's happening right now. And it's really a widespread opportunity to get your eyes on a kid who is going to be playing. Hughes is playing on the fourth line for the United States Yeah, as a 17-year-old. Kako's on the second line with potentially Finland's best center. So there's no reason not to assume that A, Kako would be playing really well, and B, that he would be you know putting up numbers like this. But him putting up numbers like this does not make him better or worse than Jack Hughes. This tournament should have no bearing in what is ultimately the draft decision ranking at all. And I would assume that that's the case for you as well. Yeah, I, it's it's important not to put too much weight on it, right? Like, for example, you know, you talked about where they are in the lineup. And, you know, today uh, he actually clocked uh, just shy of 19 minutes, which is the most he played um, all tournament. He had six shots on net, but no goals. And of course, he's yet to register an assist. Um, you know, and in the first two games, I think he had, what was it, 12.35 time on Ice Joe, and then uh, 15.13 in the first game against Canada when he had those t- the two goals. So, like, you know, how, how do you measure that against Jack Hughes, you know, playing, you know, on the fourth line for USA and the fact that Hughes just had you know, the U18s and, you know, we have, um, or I should say the juniors. And then, you know, we know that Kako's played against men and, you know, he's maybe more comfortable playing against men and playing with a lot of these guys. He's actually played with a lot of these guys. You know, Hughes is coming into a, a U.S. team where he knows, I would imagine, just a handful of the players or has played with them before. So very different. It, it's it's like a Cole Caulfield who just, you know, he, what did he have, like 3,000 goals? Um, you know, and maybe 4,000 assists. Yeah. And like, uh, you know, Hughes, you know, set a record or, you know, matched or exceeded the OV record for, you know, the scoring in the, in, you know, the juniors. And then, you know, you see what Caulfield did. And like, I remember asking Adam, like, how much does that, how much would something like that impact where he goes on draft day? And Adam said like, yeah, you know, it might move him up a spot or two, but at the end of the day, like, it's not. You know, it, it's it's common sense, right? You're not going to just judge a guy completely based on what you see, especially in terms of just counting stats and production. I think the things we're seeing from Kako that are so exciting are things that we've already seen, right? He's doing those things, and what makes it fun is that he's doing it against Ryan Suter. Um, you know, he's doing it against NHL-level players, and it's, it's something to get excited about, Joe, but I don't think you should be like, oh, you know what? Kako had more points. He should go first. Like uh, that's not, and here's it shouldn't get reduced down to something that simple. Here's an important thing that should be said: If the Devils do take Kako first overall, 
the Rangers get Hughes. There is no losing. The, 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 the section of the fan base success. that's like in a yeah. full panic because Kako's playing so well and, oh, my God, you know, the Devils may take him and then the Rangers are going to be left with Hughes. You're, what do you – stop, stop. You're overthinking this. You're galaxy branding this. The New York Rangers, they get a franchise-changing prospect one way or another. I'm not saying that's who these guys are, but that's like saying, oh, you know what? We didn't get Gretzky. We got Lemieux. You know what right. I mean? It's – no, obviously we're not comparing yeah, either of I'm them just, to Gretzky I'm or Lemieux, but yes, say, that's the point. It's, it's, it's a similar you know, in, in terms of like, you know, oh, you didn't get player X, you got player Y, when both of them have the same potential and the same ability to turn things around. Like, you know, there's been a lot of drafts where we've seen, you know, the first and second overall pick, you know, make, you know, really highly comparable impacts to the point and sometimes you know the first is a bust sometimes the second you know is is a bit of a letdown but you know both of these guys are are really really highly touted for good reason it would be like a tremendous shock to the hockey world if if either of them didn't turn into players who could really transform the fate of their team i mean looking back like at you know the the nolan patrick nico heischer debate right like those guys were just not considered to be of the same caliber as what we have here with Hughes and Ka- and Kako. It just this is a good good thing. Whatever happens, it'll be good. Going off the board, if you know Capo Kako goes first, not, not taking Hughes would be a franchise altering like travesty. You can't do it. Yeah, it would. It, we would. Let me put it to you this way. I am so confident that the Rangers are not going to galaxy brain this that I will burn this podcast to the ground. Oh, that's a good, that's a, just a healthy thing to. I'll burn it right to the ground. That's I will good. burn this podcast to the ground. There won't be a podcast anymore. That's what'll happen. It'll be Is that what you want? To a ground. Is that what you want, people? That's what you. That's what you want to do. That's what this is. Well, that's what it is. It's like McDavid Eichel, like you know. It, it's it, there is absolutely no losing here. If the Rangers end up with Hughes, both good. Here, here's here's I what both. I want to say about this, and I think this is an important. McKinnon Barkov, know. I'd take either of them. You know? I, if I had the number one overall pick, would take Jack Hughes. I truly, he's the he's the prospect. Okay. That being said. I really do think Kako is a better fit for the New York Rangers. And I again, this is completely arbitrary. You get the best players you can, period, end of story. Mm-hmm. Kako's got the size. He's a sniping winger, and he attacks the net. And the Rangers just don't have enough guys that can beast their way into the corner, get the puck, and create offense by crashing the net. They don't. Chris Kreider is really the only scoring winger that they have, and Kako projects to be better than him. And Kako, again, Chris Kreider's the only guy that the Rangers have that really crashes the net consistently, and Kako projects to be better than him. So you are getting a need for the New York Rangers. But And when I said that, you know, people were like, well, just get good players. Yeah, good player. You're getting Kako. He's a good player. If I had my choice, I would take Hughes because it's inherently harder to get a center that's dominant than it is a winger. But the Rangers don't lose here. Yeah, so if the no Devils losing. take Kako first, that's fine. If they take Hughes, and maybe first, they do. The Devils that's have a fine. lot of center prospects. They have Nico. Like the Rangers have no risk here. Yeah, None. They, there's no bad scenario. The only bad scenario here is that you know you might be a Rangers fan who bought a you know a Kako jersey too early, and then you're just like, well, shit. Just 
it's going to be okay one way or another, friends. Just hang on. It'll be... It'll yeah. come oh, when you, it comes, you're talking about a guy that in 74 games with the United States National Developmental Team... He's a monster. 74 games. He had 150 points. Yeah, an absolute monster. You, you, you're not... Makes the players yeah. around him better. A lot of the guys... Yeah, 20, we've 20 points in, in seven... drafts have been inflated by how good Jack Hughes is. That's how good tw- he is. 20... I mean, but think about that too, right? Oliver Wallstrom... Goes yeah. ninth to the Islanders, and he has a terrible season away from him. I mean, you look up, and you know one of the things that you said that I do want to get back to. Caulfield, he can make or break his top five status this summer. That's they're basically from three to ten. The consensus is out, and if a team sees yeah. that level of scoring and they fall in love with him, he puts up great under eighteen numbers, which he did, and they want to make a move for him in the top five. A guy like that can move up. Hughes or Kako, it's set. It's over. You, there's nothing else to see. If you want to galaxy brain it, galaxy brain it. It doesn't matter. Yeah, you but put that, the Rangers you put can't that lose better than I did. I agree. And they have no the three absolutely to five is what's up for debate. Not one. They have no risk. There's zero risk for the New York Rangers. They pick whatever guy the Devils don't. In fact, in the SB Nation mock draft that we're loading up for. They sent an email today, and they were like, hey, we're going to start the picks. And they went down the line, and you know, they said, this is what we're doing, and here's the schedule for picking. The Devils haven't even picked yet. I already made my selection. I said, I literally wrote, to speed this along, we will take whoever of Hughes or Kako all about the jersey doesn't. So once the Devils go, the Blackhawks can just take over. And obviously the Rangers can't do that. They'd have to actually go up and make a pick, but that's all they're going to do. That's it. Hey, Joe. Yes, Michael. In 75 games with uh, U.S. National U18 team, Jack Eichel had 105 points in 75 games. Jack Hughes, 86 games, 180 points. Mm. What are we worried about here, folks? Nothing. There's nothing. He, he, what are we worried about? Nothing I'm almost about. positive, and I'm going to look this up right now, the terrible podcasting. I'm almost positive he beat Austin Matthews' numbers. Yeah, he did. When he Austin, was in yeah. the United States developmental program before he went, to, I believe Matthews, he went to Switzerland. Yeah, Matthews had more goals, but he played 80 games to Jack Hughes' 86. And Jack Hughes had, what is that? That's <laughs> significantly yeah, more, 46 more, po- 46 more points in six more games. So, yeah, I'm not, I'm not, I'm a not lot. worried, Joe. I'm really not worried. He had, I'm not worried either. more and points per be. game than Pat Kane. You know, just it, there's no losing, and and it's, just it's for the record, Kako, shit all over Patrick Laine's goal scoring numbers. Same thing with Barkov and Liga, and they were both on significantly better teams than Kako was. You cannot lose. Enjoy it. This is not the time to panic or freak out. This is the time to enjoy being a New York Rangers fan. This is a pretty fun thing I just stumbled upon. I'm on uh, Elite Prospects, and I'm sorting the U18 team's all-time stats by points per game. Number one, Jack Hughes. Number two, with, Sweet with two games played and four points, Vinny Lettieri. Ooh. Two-point-per-game average is better than Pat Kane. Wow. Boom. In his four games. That's incredible. Yeah. No, two games, bud. Oh, two, two games. games two goals, two assists. Call it a day. Look at him. Pack it up. Can't even get a sniff in the NHL right Scored now. Scored a goal in his first NHL game, and then... Uh, yeah, things kind of went... They went haywire from yeah. there, actually. That's all. Uh, Patreon.com slash Blue Shirt Banter. 
um, Adam Nowick, Aiden Gaspar, Alex Gardner, Alex Gar. Oh, I said Alex Gardner already. Um, oh, there's two Alexes. That's why. Alex Nemzubalev, Armel Kistner, Andre Shkagov, Anthony from New Jersey, Andy from New Jersey. Sorry, Anthony Viola. I am all out of sorts today. Arch Williams, Beezer, Bob Kawa, Chris Habibi, Chris Lucas, Chris O'Connor, Craig Luchin, Dan Carosi, Daniel DeGen, Danny Santiago, David L. Singer, Eric Cohn, Eric Carlson. Fancy Lawrence, Gabriel Vargas, George Lipman, Igor Zatlovsky, James Dangles, John Rugby, Johnny Lowe, Jordan Sassone, Joshua Zarkin, Keith Franchillo, uh, Guy from Montana, Michael Asante, Michael Kanek, Michael Silvers, Mike Offit, Panerwin2020, Stink Fleeman, Tall Guy Robert, Thomas Osa, and Trevor Kempner. Thank you all for donating. A lot of Mikes and Michaels on the team. I, well, it organizes it by first name, which is why I was tripping over well, myself I mean, there. all the same. Um, Patreon.com slash Blue Shirt Banter. Also go to iTunes, leave five stars, leave a nice review, tell us how much you love us. It's funny, not a lot of Joes on the team, podcaster that you've ever seen, never, except for Michael, his is tiny, and um, yeah, that's it. Yeah, we'll, we'll see y'all bitches at the yeah, Q and A show. Uh, yeah, well, maybe by our next flagship, we'll have a new uh, Rangers president. We'll see. Mm. If not, I mean, we didn't even get to all the. It's, uh, there's plenty. It's funny. The off season's here, and like stuff's still going on. Like Hedl scored at Worlds. Kreider, I think, has a goal. We might have a few questions about these yeah, things. Gorgiev so. is, you know, is, he's let's, made let's the Russian get crazy. Team. All right, then. I'm just trying to give content here, Joe. For the love of God. No, there is no content. I'm gonna put a Stanley's over leech. here growling. I'm gonna put a leech on your chest and then burn it and summon a Brian Leech. Gonna put Brian Leech on my chest, son of a bitch. Demon. Gonna give birth to a demon in a cave and it's gonna kill your. Your brother. That's interesting. All right. We love you all. Goodbye. Bye.